Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Itty Walk podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. We spent last week in Job, and we'll spend this week in Job. Last week we read Job chapter 1 and talked a little bit about Job's response to God, his complaining and his attitude. But we saw how Job maintained his integrity. Rather than curse God, he worshipped God. This morning, we'll pick up in Job chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Job chapter 2. And you know, when you find Job 2, what you could do is look up Job 42. And mark that, we'll be in two passages of Scripture this morning. Job 2 and Job 42. Job chapter 2, starting with verse 1. On another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited him against me to ruin without any reason. I don't want us to miss this. I think God's talking a little trash. He's saying to Satan, how'd that work out for you last time? You failed, huh? You were wrong. Job maintained his integrity. Verse 4. Skin for skin. That just sounds nasty, doesn't it? He's a nasty guy, that Satan. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. 
It's the second time in Scripture we see sores like that. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 35, God is warning His people, <laughs> don't sin against me, obey me. There's consequences. And I guess I'm going to admit, I didn't do my homework, I just know that this is the other place you find the boils. I can't remember the context, but that was the warning, and it was the same kind of thing. Almost the exact same words. The Lord says, there will be boils from the bottom of your feet, the soles of your feet, throughout your body to the crown of your head. Nasty. Oh, just wait. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Now, he wasn't calling his wife names. You know, if you look at that in the translation for foolish, it means kind of like pagan, someone who doesn't believe in God. Or are you like one who has no faith? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shumite, and Zophar the Namathite heard about all his troubles, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. I know what you might be thinking. Where's Elihu, the guy we talked about last week? Elihu. I know there's one person thinking, where's Elihu? Because his middle name is Elihu. Right, Bill Gifford? So, for any, any reason you need to know someone who's got that middle name, now you know. And now you know when Joyce is upset with, with Bill, what she probably says. William Elihu. It doesn't go down like that, does it? Should we get back to the scripture? <laughs> Elihu was a young man who came along later. Isn't it funny how young people think they know everything? <laughs> Sorry, no one's safe from being picked on this morning. Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> So what do they do? They set out in, the, in agreement together. We're going to be there for our friend Job. Verse 12. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great was his suffering. Lord, I thank you for your ways. And we might not always understand them, 
And Lord, there may be times in our lives when we say why, or when we question you, or when we feel like we've hit rock bottom. Lord, there might be times we shake our fists at you. But I thank you that we can do that. We can honestly share our feelings, our heart, whatever it may be, with the God of the universe. And Lord, even when it feels like it's hopeless, even when it feels like we've been abandoned, I thank You that You're there. And I thank You for how You listen to us. Thank You for how You watch over us. I thank You for how You bring us through the fire. I thank You for how You make us stronger because of times like that. I thank You for how You can use those times of testing for a testimony so we can share the good news of what You've done in our lives with someone else who's maybe going through something similar. And Lord, I just thank You for Your great love and blessings in our lives. May You help us, bless us as we spend time in Your Word. Holy Spirit, help me preach Your Word and may You have all the glory, God. May we... Be changed because we've come closer to You, near to Your heart through Your Word. And God, I pray all these things. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm guessing this probably hasn't happened about half of you. I'm guessing about half of you have never had a man cold. They're bad. I'm throwing us under the bus, guys. At least it's me. If I catch the tiniest cold, oh, Laura, this is awful. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, Laura, you, you, you must not know what this is like. I don't think I've ever been this sick. Sometimes we exaggerate things. What Job was going through was no exaggeration. I just want to take a few moments to review Job's suffering. Then we're really going to have guilt the next time we complain over the man cold. Job was so disfigured, His friends didn't recognize him. He was so disfigured, his appearance was revolting. Those sores on his body, the ones that went from the soles of his feet to the top of his head, uh, they would often breed worms and make scabs. Ugh. We see that in Job chapter 7, verse 5. Sometimes his skin would break open and fester. Now imagine scratching all that with a broken pot. He couldn't sleep. There's another thing I'm a baby about. We didn't get a good night's sleep. Dogs woke me up. And I think it's reason to be grumpy. I got, I got an excuse. Poor Job, he couldn't sleep because of all of his physical suffering. And when he did sleep, he had nightmares. 
We see that in chapter 7. He became so sick, he was incredibly thin. So thin, his friends didn't recognize him. Thin, disfigured. He had bad breath. Job 19.17 He had a fever. If he was trying to come through the front door this morning, or Walmart or anywhere in New York State, he wouldn't be allowed. And just a side note... I think I think this whole COVID thing kind of gives us a peek into how people with disabilities or people with sickness might feel when they're marginalized. It's been strange. Many of you know, I went to West Virginia for a few days. Got to see my family. Got to be with Dad on Father's Day. Got to see Grandma Pap. But I didn't have to quarantine when I got back. Other people have had to quarantine when they've come back from places. And I've heard how it's not a good feeling. How they're kind of treated like an other. How there's a weird vibe trying to get back to normal. How they're like, there's real no place for you. Now can you imagine what Job might be feeling? And he was in pain. Night and day, day and night. We see that in chapter 30. He had it pretty rough, didn't he? And he had reason to complain. No wonder his wife said, curse God and die. Now, I picked on her bad last week. But we hear all this and we realize maybe, maybe she loved him so much she didn't want to see him suffer anymore. And she said that out of compassion and grace. At least that's what she thought and felt. Maybe. Just a different perspective. So Job's going through all this. He's complaining. He's crying out to God, revealing to God his anger. And what does God do? Of course, there's the friends too. The best thing they probably could have done is what they started to do. Just be quiet for seven days and just be there. But then they started to speak up. And then Elihu came along and with all of his life experience gave his two cents. And then finally in chapter 38, God shows up. And he speaks from Job 38 to Job 42. It's been 20 years. 20 years since we heard that first Profound question asked. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Have we ever got an answer to that? Who let the dogs out? And you know, in Ecclesiastes we read, there's nothing new under the sun. A few thousand years before somebody asked, who let the dogs out? God asked, who let the donkeys out? 
It's in Job chapter 38, verse 5. Who let the donkeys free? Who untied his ropes? A little earlier in that chapter, he says, Who knows when? Who knows when the mountain goat gives birth? Do any of you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you know where God stores the snow? Or how He makes it rain? Those are the kind of questions God asks Job when He reveals Himself to Job. Questions meant to provoke provoke thought and also prove that He is the one true God, Master Creator, Supreme Authority, who knows things and does things and will do things and has done things that no one else can. Isaiah says as much in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 58. God speaks, Your thoughts are not my thoughts and my ways are not your ways. There's a lot of goofy teaching out there, especially in the New Age movement, that we're all gods. We share in this divinity. That's a lie. It's one of the many lies and the different worldviews out there. It's not a biblical worldview the way it's meant to be because where did the worldview come from? I'll take the one from who, the one who created the world. I think that's got to be the best worldview. So God shows up. He speaks up. And when Job is in the presence of God, he's reminded that God is God, and he, little Job, with all of his sores and disfigured and bad breath and everything, is just a puny human. Unworthy, unclean, and unholy. Pretty much sums us up, doesn't it? Unworthy, Job 40, verse 4. Unclean, Job 42, verse 6. And unholy, Job 42, verse 3. You know, God still shows up. He still shows up. Now, He might not come in a storm like He did for Job, but He still shows up. What did Jesus say when two and three are gathered in My name? There I will be also. He's going to show up and we're together like this. It's one of the things I love about my job. I get to preach. I get to feel Him when I'm doing this. It's pretty cool. He still shows up. But man, we live in a loud world. We live in a busy world. He still shows up. We just have to be still. How would we know that God is God? Well, in the Psalms it says, Be 
still and know that I am God. You know, I miss having Sunday school. I miss seeing the kids around. Kids, it's great to see you this morning. Miss Caravan, miss all this stuff. As your pastor, I hope that you and your family are still somehow outside of Sunday morning getting in His Word. And right now, media is a great way to do that. That resource is free. A gift from the church. We have the subscription. You can go to our website homepage. You can get it for free. And this month, we're going through a study just as a church. All doing the same thing. A study called Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. And I was going through one of the studies this week and she shared something. Imagine this, God putting the message together through the week, getting ready for Sunday morning. She said this. The reason I'm anxious is because I think I'm a bigger deal than I really am. And I don't know where on else where else on earth I'd realize that I'm really not a big deal unless I make time to be still with a God who's so big. You see, by being still before God, we position ourselves in a place to hear from Him. And like the encounter Job had with God in His presence, when we deliberately put ourselves in His presence, He reminds us of who He is, and we're reminded of who we are. And don't you know, I'm not that big a deal. The world doesn't revolve around me. the lesson that Job learned through this second set of suffering. Painful physical suffering. He learned learned through all of it, I guess, didn't he? When God showed up, Job learned humility. Last week we saw how even though Job had an attitude... He didn't curse God. But he did complain. And he did tell God how he was feeling. And we might think and look at it and say, Oh, what a rotten attitude. You mean you're so sad that you were born? That's pretty sick, Job. You're in a dark place, buddy. But sometimes we come across dark places in life. And we see at the end of Job that God commended him. We see that at the end of this book. God commends Job and rebukes his friends. What's up with that? You see, even in Job's rage, 
His ultimate frustration, even when he challenged God, he was determined to speak honestly to God, before God. His buddies, on the other hand, they mouth many theologically correct and often beautiful statements about God, but they did so without a living knowledge of the God that they claim to honor. They claim to know about God, but there is no evidence of a relationship with God. You see, Job spoke to God, and his friends spoke about God. Job confessed his anger in not having any answers, while his three friends presumed they knew everything. Another thing about Job's friends, they had a lot of advice. They knew he must descend and he's covering it up. That's the real issue. I read through it. I couldn't find where they prayed for him. And maybe that's our homework. Maybe we read through it. Maybe we look through resources. Did Job's friends pray for him? They didn't appear to. But what does God require of Job? Job chapter 42. Verse 7. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you. What does it say in James chapter 5, verse 16? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I don't know about you, but if my three friends came around and told me all the things that I was doing wrong while I was suffering, I wouldn't want to pray for them. But what did Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. Grace, grace, God's grace. You have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildab the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did what the Lord told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again. Yes, we're going to leave on a positive note. The Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him at his house. Quarantine over. 
They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one of them gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter was named Jemima. You know what that means? Not maple syrup. Dove. The second, Keziah. Cinnamon. And the third, Karen Hapuk. That's antimony. A beautiful eyeliner in the Middle East. Nowhere in all the land where the women were found were women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died, old and full of years. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for what Your Word teaches us about this life and our relationship with You. I pray that You would give us the strength to praise You in the good times and the bad. Lord, help us in our walk with You. Help us to be still so we can remember once more who You are and who we are and how it really isn't about us. Lord, in Your presence, may You reveal to us by the power of Your Spirit what it might be we need to repent of. And Lord, as we serve You, as we walk this Christian life, may we be people who truly know You and not just know about You. May our faith have substance. May our faith have action. May we love like You love and serve like You served. Jesus, I pray all these things in Your precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.